I want to encourage you to reach out to people this week. Um, what a beautiful song is, is we're looking at our missions emphasis. It's six months until our missions um, conference. We put all our flags up, every flag around this auditorium, we represent, we, we have representatives in those countries or in those states or organizations. And so just look around and you'll see many different people are in there. We have 99 missionaries. And if you want a list of them, they're actually on our, on our table out there in a blue um, piece of paper. Take those home and pray for them. Um, we have a responsibility to pray for them. We don't only just want to we don't only just want to pay for their expenses, but we also want to pray for them. If you talk to a missionary, that's what they're going to tell you that you need to pray for them more than support them financially. They need our prayers because prayers can change things. And so you make sure you make your make, do your part on that. Um, the Lord has blessed us, and we're and I'm thankful for what we have. But we've got to reach out. On our Sunday school lessons, we're going over the way of the Master, and it talks about how you can witness to people. It's our responsibility to do that. It's not just our missionaries. It's our responsibility. So we need to make sure we do that also. But we're privileged this morning of having the Rouses here, and they are actually, he's going to come speak to you this morning. And I want you to give him your undivided attention. Tonight, we have another missionary, the, the Collins, which we already support. He'll, they'll be here tonight. They'll show their presentation. The, he's going to show his, and we also have Randy went on a um, missions trip, and he's going to give his testimony tonight too. So it's going to be three presentations tonight. Come and see what the Lord's doing in people's lives. It's always good to see that. So give him your undivided attention as he comes up and speaks to us. Good morning. The Lord bless you, and it's a privilege to be here with you this morning. Thank you for coming out and being in your place in your church where you need to be, and that's a blessing. Uh, it's a pleasure to have my wife with me. Sometimes I do some traveling that I have to do, and she didn't have an opportunity to go with me, so I'm glad to have her. Honey, you'll stand up. I know some folks already met you, but it's my wife, Robin, and uh, we've been married 38 years coming this December, and so we're thankful. The Lord's given us some, some wonderful years together. And the Lord's blessed us with two girls, Charity and Christina. Um, they're 30, I think 35 and 33 now. I'd go into churches, have meetings, and um, I'd talk about my wife a little bit and about my family and girls, and I'd mention them. And uh, I happened to be in a church <clears throat> down in Florida a few years back, and I got up and mentioned about our family and talked about my wife and and I mentioned about Charity, our oldest daughter, is married to a fellow named Jamel. They've been married, and they were married, so I don't know, close to 12, 13 years, and had not been able to have children, and that year the Lord blessed and allowed them to adopt a little girl. Well, since then, they've adopted two more. And um, so we are happily grandparents, and my wife is crazily happy to be a grandparent, loving those grandkids. But then I mentioned about our daughter Christina, she's not married. Here she is, about 30, 31 years of age, and nobody's interested in her. <laughs> she's pretty, she's smart, and I don't get it. Either guys are blind or they're dumb. <laughs> yeah, probably both, exactly. <clears throat> and, um, well, a couple of months later, after having mentioned in that church down in Florida, I got a text from that pastor, and he says, Brother Rouse, he said, I need your help. Please, would you help me? I've got a, a young man in my church here. He won't leave me alone. He wants to know how to communicate with your daughter. <laughs> Sent a text back. Who is this guy? What is his name? Tell me more. 
Well, it ended up they did get to start communicating with each other, and uh, they met in August of 2015. He proposed in 2016. They got married last year. And so now they're expecting their first little baby in, in just a week or two. So we're going to be grandparents for the fourth time. <clears throat> we're very, very excited. The Lord's been very good to us, and, and we're blessed. Uh, I work in a ministry called Fires of Evangelism. It's a conference ministry where we're involved in training national pastors and their people in all aspects of ministry. It's a great privilege God's given us, and it's, it's an outgrowth of and a realization of the dream of our director, who years ago saw that God had moved, throughout history God's moved in different countries, different locations with great revivals, thousands of souls being saved, lives being changed, and he thought and prayed, God, but it has not happened in the Spanish-speaking world. Can we have it happen in the Spanish-speaking world? And he prayed about it and sought God about it. And God opened up this opportunity over 25 years ago to start a ministry called Fires of Evangelism. <clears throat> and so we started that ministry in 1993, and the Lord's blessed it throughout the years. And as I said, it's a ministry trying to train pastors, um, helping national pastors. Not we, You know, missionaries have gone out, and there's nothing to belittle or demean their efforts of missionaries have gone out and pioneered fields and planted the gospel and established churches. But we also saw that there were times national pastors would only get a limited amount of training for ministry. And, um, and so God's given us this opportunity to follow up now and take, take God's work on another level to another step and and train these men about all aspects of ministry, try to give them a good understanding of philosophy, type of, uh, philosophy of ministry they should have, a Bible-based philosophy, and, and, and help them see that God can use them. God can set a fire in their souls, and God can give them a vision of what God can do with them, and they don't necessarily need American money to do it. And God is working. I'll give you an example. Brother Alejandro Cordova, pastor down in Salaya, Mexico. Got connected with Brother Fernandez, opportunity to connect with him and get to meet Brother Cordova. Brother Cordova <clears throat> came to one of these conferences back in, the, uh, back in the early years, and God got a hold of his heart, gave him a great vision of what could be done, and God has used him. Brother Cordova runs about 2,000 in his church there in Celaya, Guanajuato. But they have taken the challenge to take the gospel to every home in their city. And it's a city of over, city of over 700,000 people. And they have taken the gospel to every home in their city more than 20 times. It can be done. And they've, they've worked at it. And God's blessed them. And many thousands of souls have been saved because of it. <clears throat> but that's just a little glimpse. Uh, we hold 20, this year we're holding 20 conferences throughout uh, Latin America. Also, we held uh, three conferences this year in the U.S. Our next conference is coming up um, in just a couple of weeks. And it's a new conference for us in the country of Belize. 
and it used to be previously called British Honduras, uh, but they do have a Spanish-speaking population there, and, uh, and so we have this opportunity to go and have our very first conference there. Looking forward to it. I'll not get to participate in that one, but I'll be going to our conference in Bolivia, South America, which will be in the first week of October, and appreciate your prayers as I'll be going down there. Um, I'll also be going to our conference in Guatemala, but we've, it's, this is a busy time of the year. We've got Belize coming up this month, and in October we've got, uh, we've got Bolivia. Then we also have a, a conference in Bayshore, New York, Long Island. We also have a conference at the end of the month in Oaxaca, Mexico. Then after that, one in um, Torreon, Mexico. Uh, then, as I said, we go into Guatemala. We go into Argentina. And then in December, we'll be having a conference in, Ar in um, Chile and also Nicaragua. So appreciate your prayers. Make sure you go by the table. Get a prayer card. Please, please, please pray for us. We need your prayers. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 13, this chapter is a chapter in which Jesus Christ presents seven parables. Many of you know a parable is a is a story, um, earthly story, dealing with people, dealing with life, dealing with animals, dealing with different things in life. But it's a, it's a, it's an earthly story presented to give a, a a spiritual truth. And in this chapter thirteen, Jesus presents seven parables, seven parables in one chapter. <clears throat> He begins in chapter 13 there in verse 3, And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Verse 8. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And he says, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. This is the first parable. We call it the parable of the sower. The sower goes out and sows the seed. And uh, the disciples asked him in verse 10, he says, why speakest thou, why speakest thou unto them in parables? Jesus says, he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. He says, this is because you, you're given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He says, this parable has to do with the kingdom of heaven. If you go on and we look at these other parables here in Matthew chapter 13, we find in verse 24, there's another one. He says, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. Verse 31, another parable he put forth, said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed. They're all connected with the kingdom of heaven. Verse 33, Now the parable spake ye unto them, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Verse 44, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. Verse 45, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Verse 47, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that's cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. So he gives seven parables here. He says they all have to do with the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom. But what's interesting is of these seven parables, Jesus only explains two of them. 
only two of the seven. And I want us to take a look this morning at these two parables that are explained. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, fill us with thy spirit. Give us understanding. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to believe your word and the truth that you have for us. And then grant us something in our souls that affects our will that will go and do what your will is for us as individuals and as a church. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these dear folks. Thank you for their love for you and thank you for their love for missions and missionary work. I pray you bless this time. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So he gives this parable, the first one, the parable of the sower, about the sowing of the seed. Some fall by the wayside, some seed fall upon the uh, stony ground, some fall among thorns, and it says some fall upon good ground. And he explains this parable beginning in verse 18. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in the stony place is the same as he that heareth the word, and none with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while. And when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. Verse 22, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received good seed into the ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So he explains the parable, and he says that this seed is what? You can help me. It's what? God's word. Okay, it's the word of truth. It's the word of the kingdom. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the truth. And this seed, he says, is planted. It's thrown in different places. You have by the wayside, you have the stony ground, you have the thorny ground, you have the good ground. What is the different types of ground? Look at the text, especially verse 19. Where is this seed sown? In the heart. It's in the heart. It's in the heart of men. Any man, any woman, any teenager, any young person, any child, any, any senior, it's in the heart of men. The seed is sown in the hearts of men. And the reason there's different types of ground is because God is explaining that this is man's response to the truth. It's man's response. He says, seed is sown by the wayside. And he said, this is like it's thrown out there and the birds come by and they sweep it up and they take it away. Well, yeah, it's the person who hears the word of God, but it does not register at all. It doesn't mean anything to them. It has no, no importance to them. And it's like it goes into one ear and goes out the other. And they don't get anything. Then you've got the person who hears the word of God. He hears the truth about Jesus Christ. And he says, hmm, yes, that sounds good. I like that. 
That could especially help my brother. He really needs it. Yeah. So they recognize it. They understand it. But they may not necessarily apply it to themselves. Then you got the person where it says he hears the word of God. He hears the truth. And it's like going among the thorns, thorny ground. This is a person who hears it, recognizes it for what it is, that it's truth, it's good, it's right, it's beneficial, it's something I need. And he embraces it. He takes it for himself. I need this. This is good for me. And they believe in the truth. But it says, allow with time other things come in and they choke the word. And that person becomes unfruitful. Then you've got the response where the person believes it, they accept it, they hear it, they believe it, they embrace it, they says, yes, this is for me, and they continue. They retain the word, they grow in the word, they mature, and they become fruitful, giving a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. So it's man's response to the truth, especially to the truth of the gospel. So that means there's a couple of lessons we can learn from this. God really wants man to respond in the right way, but he doesn't always. And when man does respond, his life is to be transformed. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's a transformation. There's a changing. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul describes it for us. He's writing to the Corinthians there, and he says, beginning in verse, beginning there in verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor feminine, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortion shall inherit the kingdom of God. In verse 11, and such were some of you. But you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's a change. There's a transformation. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. There's a change. There's a transformation. We're not the same. But not only that, we're not only changed, there's life there. That life is to mature and grow, and then we're to become fruitful. Fruitful. He says the seed that falls upon good ground retains the word, matures, and becomes fruitful, bearing a hundredfold, sixtyfold, some thirty. Go with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Verse 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. That it may bring forth more, what? Fruit. He says, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except ye abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. 
I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. It says in verse 7, If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. How is the Father glorified? That ye bear much fruit, and so shall ye be my disciples. So the Lord wants us to be productive. He wants us to bear fruit. So what is the fruit of a believer? What is the fruit of a disciple of Christ? Hopefully you're not thinking of Galatians chapter 5. There it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are good things, but that's the fruit of the Spirit. And those should be exhibited in our lives, especially if we walk in the Spirit, we're full of the Holy Spirit. Those should be exhibited in our lives because that's the fruit of the Spirit. But what's the fruit of a disciple? What's the fruit of a Christian? Well, what do apple trees bear? I, what, what do pear trees bear? I don't think I've ever seen a pear come off a cherry tree. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. Now, the fruit of a disciple of Christ should be another disciple of Christ. He wants us to bear fruit. If you still haven't gotten the idea, what's the fruit of a human? Another human. Another human. We're to bear fruit. We're to bear fruit after our and he says, in this is my Father glorified, in that you bear much fruit. True Christian maturity should result in reproduction. Should result in reproduction. So you have the sower. He's sowing the seed. He sows what? The seed, the Word of God. And he sows it where? In the hearts of men. And men can respond. Either no response, nothing registers, goes one ear out the other, has no meaning, no importance to them. It can be they respond with, yeah, that's right, that's good, that's something. But they may never apply to themselves. Or they can respond and say, that's really good, that's right, that's something I need, I want it. And I believe. But other things come in in life and choke the word. They don't become fruitful. Or we can respond believing, embracing the truth of Christ and the gospel and grow and mature and become fruitful and bearing fruit. So that's what the parable is. Now here's something about it. Go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I want you to see one little aspect of this parable. This parable is repeated in three of the four Gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's also in Luke. But go with me to Mark chapter 4. I want you to notice something that Christ says about this parable in Mark chapter 4. Jesus gives in Mark chapter 4, he gives the parable. And then in between the giving of the parable and the explanation of the parable, in verse 13, I want you to notice what Jesus says to his disciples. 
And he said unto them, in Mark 4.13, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? It's like Jesus saying, if you want to know, if you don't know this parable and understand this parable, how will you know the other parables? This parable is foundation, it's the basis on which all the other parables are built and given. Understand this parable and then keep it in relationship with all the other parables. So if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand the other? And if you want to understand the others, make sure you understand this one. Okay? Now we go back to Matthew chapter 13 and we look at the second parable that is explained. Matthew chapter 13. Look with me at verse 24. Matthew 13, 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. While men slept, his enemy came, sowed the tares among the wheat, and went his way. When the blade was sprung up, brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. A servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? He said, Nay. Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, bind them in bundles, and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. There's this parable of the wheat and the tares. The wheat and the tares. Jesus explains this parable beginning in verse 36. He says, He uh, sent the multitude away. He went in the house. He so the disciples came to him and said, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Verse 37, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. So he explains this parable. So in the parable of the sower, we have the seed, which is what? The Word, the Word of God. The field, or the ground, is what? The hearts, the hearts of men. And the seed is sown into the hearts of men. Okay. Who is the sower? Well, if you look at it, it really never says. It could be anybody. Whoever will take the Word of God and sow the Word of God into the hearts of men. People will respond to the truth. And they can respond different, four, different ways. Now in this parable, the, of the wheat and the tares... Who is the sower? Who? Jesus, Son of Man. Son of Man. He is the sower. Okay. What is the field? The world. And what is the seed that the sower is sowing? The children of the kingdom, it says. 
And these are the two parables he explains. So here you have, you have anybody can sow the seed, take the word of God and sow it into the hearts of men and they can respond in four different ways. But those, if I sow the seed in the hearts of man and he responds with faith, with repentance, trust Christ, begins to grow, and I say, hey, come on, come on, come here. And I want to work with him and get him to grow and to know the Lord and walk with the Lord and realize that we're not talking about a religion. We're not talking about a religious practice. We're talking about a walk with God and having a relationship, one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ Himself. Because, and, and if I can get Him to learn to do that and walk with Christ daily, John 15 says that if we abide in Him and His Word abides in us, He said, we'll bring forth fruit. And that's what God wants, and that's what I want, is Him become fruitful. And so... So I teach him and I train him, I have to disciple him and get him to grow and to follow the Lord and to learn to walk with God with the idea that he learns to do the same thing. So that means if I do it right, then I'm going to sow and he's going to learn to sow too. So he's going to go out and sow the seed. I'm going to go out and sow the seed in the hearts of men and women and give them the gospel so they believe and repent. They get saved and they trust Christ as their Savior. And hopefully then he'll learn to do the same thing with the folks that he's given the gospel to and I've given the gospel to and, and mature them and grow them and get them to walk with Christ and grow in the word of God and learn to do the same thing, right? That she learns the disciple, he learns the disciple and we all go out and continue to sow the seed. And we're sowing the seed and sowing the seed and praise the Lord, somebody responds. In faith. What's happened? We walk with Christ. We obey Him. We sow the seed in the hearts of men and women. God said His word would go forth and it would not return Void, empty, zero, nada, Spanish, nada, meaning nothing. <clears throat> no, it's going to return, it's going to return, it's going to be fruit. And what's happened? Hey, all of a sudden we realize the church has grown. The church has grown. We've multiplied. That's what our Fires Evangelism Ministry is all about. It's not just one man going to a location, starting a church and seeing people get saved and teaching them the Word of God. It's going and teaching several pastors truth, ministry, to multiply, get a vision, get a fire in their souls, and multiply themselves. In 1980, you see this in the video, but in 1980 in Mexico, there was approximately 550 independent Baptist churches throughout the country. Today, there's over 2,000, over 2,500 independent Baptist churches throughout the country of Mexico, and I believe there's more than that. It's multiplied. It's multiplied. 
But what's the second parable say? God, Jesus Christ, will take of, his, of the fruit of His children, He said He will take them and say, you know what? I like what's going on here. This is really good. This is a blessing to my soul. But there's nothing going on over there. There's nothing going on over there. Hey, you've learned how to do sow the seed over there. Sow the seed over there. Okay, all the way down there. And God sends them out to another part of the world. It may be another city. It may be another state. maybe another country. But they're doing something. They're giving the gospel. They're knowing how to multiply and reproduce themselves. I said, now I want you to go over there and reproduce yourself. That's what God wants to do. Thank you. You can all be seated. Appreciate your help. <clears throat> God is extending His kingdom in this world by extending the kingdom to the hearts of men and women and dominating their hearts and their minds and their lives with His truth. Sometimes pastors, there are pastors, evangelists, that will go out and say, in our church, we want quality. We want quality. We're not interested in quantity. Okay, well, I'm interested in quality too. Absolutely. I want mature Christians. I want people to grow. I want people to know Christ. I want to follow Him, be obedient to Him. But look with me at Matthew chapter 13, in verse 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth... Whoa, 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 whoa. What did I read there about ground? Did I read good ground? That sounds like quality. Am I accurate? Good ground, that's quality. Is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, he which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some and hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. That sounds like numbers. Huh. Sounds like God wants some numbers. God's not saying that I have to win a hundred people to Christ a year to be a good Christian. God says, I need to obey Him, walk with Him, abide in Him, and if I will, I should be producing fruit. I should be producing fruit. Maybe He's not as much as somebody else, but I need to be producing some fruit. We have a peach tree that we planted out in the front of our house, and my wife loves peaches. And she makes incredible, amazing peach glaze pie. It's incredible. We want peaches, and we've been working now for a couple of years trying to get peaches off that tree. It's not easy. We've had to fertilize it, we had to dig it, we have to prune it, we have to spray it, we have to try to keep the bugs off of it. It just seems like an impossible task, keeping the worms out of it. It's, just, it's incredible. So it, each year we've gotten more and more fruit. Now this year we had a frost after all the blooms, so we didn't get a lot of fruit this year. Last year it was like over 100-something peaches. We want fruit. God wants fruit. God wants fruit. Let me give you quick lessons. Number one, let's sow the seed and let's sow it anywhere, everywhere. 
at any time. Sow the seed. Personally, let's get involved. Sowing the seed, planting truth in the hearts and minds, men, women, children, neighbors, co-workers, wherever. But sow the seed. Sow the seed. That's our responsibility, every one of us, because we are branches in the vine, and the branches to bear fruit. Every one of us. Number two, let's pray that God will raise up new workers in His field. The field is the world. Let's pray that God will send new workers, raise up new workers. You ought to have, let me ask you this, do you have a country that you're praying that God will send workers to? I've been praying for Uruguay, Uruguay, South America, because I know it's a hard field. Education has become their God. But God's answering prayers, and I'm seeing some new workers God's raising up, and they're going to go to Uruguay. It's answer to prayer. What country are you praying for? Pray for a country. Pray that God will send. It's commanded. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, he says, Pray ye the Lord of harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Number three, be willing to go wherever God wants to send you. Be willing to go wherever God wants to send you. <laughs> when I proposed to my wife, I did it at the Chattanooga Choo Choo. <clears throat> in Chattanooga. There's some gardens in the back behind. It used to be a restaurant. I don't know if it's still a restaurant or not, but back behind it, there was gardens back there, and you had some of the rail, old rail cars. But I took her back there, and we sat on a bench, and I said, Robin, I said, I want you to know something. I'm going to be a missionary. And I want you to marry me. And I want to marry you. And I want you to go with me. I want you to be part of my life the rest of my life. And I said, but I'm going to be a missionary. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, we're not going to have much. But will you marry me? And she said, well, I have a question. Since you said that, where are you going to be a missionary to? I said, well, I've been to Central America. I have a real passion for Central Americans. I've been to Nicaragua. I've been to El Salvador. I, I'm willing to go to any of those countries, and I, I'm willing to go to South America. If God wants us to be missionary to South America, I'm willing to go to South America. And remotely, remotely, if God wants us to go to Spain, I'm willing to go to Spain. She said, well, what about Mexico? Oh, I said, never, never. never. Uh, don't ever say never to God. He has a way of making you eat your words. Because when it came down for us to go to the mission field, where did we go? We went to Mexico, and we lived and worked in Mexico for about four or five years before we got into the conference ministry with Brother Fernandez. But never say never. Some of you, I, you're thinking right now, I'm willing to go. I want to go to Hawaii. Send me there, Lord. No, you don't get to choose. Let him choose. He is the Lord of harvest. They'll be willing to go. And parents... If God speaks to your children, be willing to let them go. Be willing to let them go. Because God will use them. And He is amazing. What He'll do in their lives. And how He used their lives to make a difference in this world. My wife and I down in Monterey, Mexico, worked a particular area, neighborhood, giving the gospel, knocking on doors, giving the gospel. Winning a couple to the Lord by the name of Santiago and Marcela. By the time when we left Mexico to work with Brother Fernandez in the conference ministry, 
Santiago had sloughed off. He wasn't going to church much. <clears throat> and praise the Lord, his wife, Marcela, she continued to be faithful in church. But you know, you just don't know what God's going to do in people's hearts. And God worked in mysterious ways and worked in Santiago's heart. He got things right. He got a hold of God, or God got a hold of him. But he ended up getting going to Bible Institute, getting training, and he is pastoring in a church in Tampacan, San Luis Potosí, Mexico now. They're our babies. We want them to the Lord. You just don't know what God's going to do. Just sow the seed, sow the seed, sow the seed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your blessings to us and your mercies, your faithfulness. You're great, you're wise, you're powerful, and you are extending your kingdom in this world. We ask. You'll help us to realize that we're to have a part in what you're doing in this work, in, the, in this world. Help us to be willing to give the gospel, to give truth to anybody, any place, at any time. 